What a blessing it was to have Grace Spencer teach here this past Sunday. And I hope that you are blessed and have been challenged throughout our Her Sermon Series. Today, we begin a brand new sermon series called Summer Mixtape. You see, back in the day, you could buy a cassette tape that was blank. Okay, there was nothing on it. And then you would put that empty cassette tape inside your stereo or inside your boombox. You would turn to your favorite FM radio station and you would wait for the song that you liked. And when that song came on, you would hit record on that boombox. And when the song was over, you would hit stop. But there was a technique to this. Because if you weren't careful, you'd get the DJ's voice at the end of your song, or you'd get the station ID, Oldies 92.9. Okay, how many of you listen to Oldies 92.9 back in the 80s and 90s? Okay, come on, that was great. You also had to record a little bit of blank space between each song so that it felt like a real album. It, you, you also had to know how much space was left, how much tape was left, because it was likely that you could only get half of a song on the tape, then you would have to press eject, flip the tape, and then hit record again. Then that would be the first song on the opposite side. There were two sides to cassette tapes. And by the end of this one to two day project, you would have a pretty awesome mixtape of whatever songs you wanted. Nowadays, we call this a playlist, and it's really easy. It takes no effort. No, mixtape was dedication. Mixtape was skill. Mixtape was an investment. And so this series, for the next eight weeks, you're going to get a mixtape of sermons, some of which are in the same genre or style, Oldies 92.9, some of which aren't, okay? Maybe they're, they're KRZR 103.7. They're gonna be diverse. Okay, B95 even. But this is a good collection. And you're going to dig leaving this tape in your boombox or on your stereo all summer long. Okay, the first song on this mixtape, Prayer. Now there's obviously a lot of teaching um, in the Bible on prayer in both the Old and the New Testaments. But we are going to kind of Zoom in on the life of Jesus and his own rhythm of prayer. When I was a kid, I loved superheroes. Still do. I wanted to be one. To be faster than a speeding bullet. To be able to fly. I wonder, I wonder if you were given a chance to acquire one superpower, what would it be? A recent poll asked this question and gave participants the following options. In vulnerability, reading minds, spider sense, the ability to fly, x-ray vision, invisibility, super strength, genie-like magic, great intelligence, incredible luck. Look over that list. Think about it for a second. Which of these would you choose? What is your power of choice? Well, if you were like the majority of respondents, 25% in fact, of over 9,000 people who responded, their choice was the ability to fly. Why do you suppose that is? What is it about flying that makes that more appealing than say, invisibility? I think to be able to become invisible would be awesome. To just 
disappear for short periods of time, I think it'd be great. Some people actually claim that it does happen to them. There is a group of people who claim to suffer from a syndrome that they call HSII, Human Spontaneous Involuntary Invisibility. I'm not making this up. They claim that for no explained reason, they have disappeared for a brief period of time. It happens at parties when suddenly other guests completely ignore them. One woman writes about how her husband ran all over the house searching for her when she was sitting on the sofa the entire time. Now, one woman, she claims that she's tempted at times to sneak into a bank and steal money because at times she's completely invisible. What? These people claim to suffer from this superpower of invisibility. I wonder if any of them have ever tried to go see a doctor about this condition. And then the associate says to the doctor, doctor, there's a woman out here who claims she's invisible. Tell her I can't see her right now. Sorry, I couldn't resist. Now I'm assuming that none of us have the supernatural power of invisibility, even though it was the third most popular selection on the superpower poll. But maybe some of us here have tried to fly it sometime. Fess up, when you were a kid, Put that towel around your neck, nobody's looking, up, up, and away. Have you ever tried to be a superhero? From superheroes to celebrities to rock stars to athletes, we often see them as the examples that we want to become like. But for the Christ follower, our example is Jesus. He is our example to emulate. He is the picture we try to portray. He is the one we try to act like. And so today we are focusing not just on the words that Jesus said about prayer, but what Jesus did in regard to prayer in the hopes that we might become more like him and that our prayer lives would inform our everyday life. Or better put, that our prayer lives would become a part of our everyday lives. I'm excited to see how God moves us uh, today and throughout this summer in our communication with him. A.W. Tozer once said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. How we think about God shapes our character. Uh, there's an ancient story found on a scroll written during the time of Christ. And on the scroll, there was a story of a woman and her husband. And the husband leaves the house every week to go and worship at the temple. And the temple was the temple of Diana in Ephesus. She was a fertility goddess. And so part of worshiping this fertility goddess was to go to the temple and do your sacred duty of sleeping with the temple prostitute. And the husband would do this every week and weekly when the husband would leave his wife noticed a certain look that he had, a smile, as he said, I'm off to worship at the temple of Diana. And the story on the scroll comes to an end with the husband smiling and waving goodbye one afternoon, and the wife then saying, if his gods were different, then he'd be different. Who you worship, who your examples are in life, matters greatly for how you live. Ask yourself honestly, who do you want to emulate more than anyone else?
Be honest with yourself, even if you know that you're not going to like the answer. We want to emulate Jesus, and this is our focus this morning. And what kind of example did Jesus set for us in regards to prayer? What were Jesus's prayer habits? We're going to rattle off a few verses here. Luke chapter 5, verse 15. Yet the news about Jesus spread all the more, so the crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Luke 6, 11. At this time, the enemies of Jesus were wild with rage and began to discuss what to do with him. Jesus then chooses the 12 apostles. One day, soon afterward, Jesus went to a mountaintop to pray, and he prayed to God all night long. Luke 9, one day Jesus left the crowds to pray alone. About eight days later, Jesus took Peter, John, and James up to the mountain to pray. Luke 11, once Jesus was praying in a certain place, it is clear that praying was something that Jesus did often. Do we? I know that we pray that when there's something major going on in our lives. As a pastor, on a weekly basis, I receive texts, calls, people coming up to me asking me for prayer. They have some really big things going on in their lives. And that is a beautiful thing, and we should be doing that. We should be praying in our times of need. But this message is not on prayer during our times of crisis, but rather prayer on a regular basis. Prayer in rhythm. Not just in difficult circumstances, but in all circumstances. Look at those verses again. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear Jesus and be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to a lonely place. At this, the enemies of Jesus were wild with rage and began to discuss what to do with him. One day, soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountaintop to pray, and he prayed to God all night. In chapter 5, when Jesus is the new thing, and he's attracting all these new followers, and crowds are getting huge, and things are going great, what did Jesus do? He prayed. And then in chapter 6, when Jesus is under attack, and there is an imminent threat, what does Jesus do? He prays. Chapter 9 says that Jesus left the crowds to pray alone. He left the craziness of the crowds to commune with God alone. I was a youth pastor for 11 years, and we would often rent vans, fill them with teenagers, and then go on a trip or retreat all over California. And one spring break, we went down to Mexico. When we were driving back from Mexico, we were staying at a church in Orange County in this industrial park. And I remember some of the other van drivers uh, were just kind of going pretty fast, but they missed a certain sign. This certain sign said, caution, reduce speed ahead. Now, I remember as they bottomed out their vans and had to pull over, I saw the sign and I reduced my speed before the bump. Caution, reduce speed ahead. I wonder, is that an appropriate sign for you right now? Caution, reduce speed ahead. For our lives, that our pace of life is too fast and we just need to slow down. Prayer helps us reduce our speed. Now, my phone is always out. 
I'm always texting, scrolling, emailing. The average teenager is on their phone for seven hours a day. As adults, we're better, but we're not that much better. It's over five hours a day of screen time for us. Now, I want to be fast, I want to be efficient, I want to be busy. As I'm pulling into my house, I click that garage door opener long before I'm in range, just so that it might open a few seconds faster. We can't just be still. What does it say about us? The way of life that Jesus offers cannot be lived out in a hurry. The Christ life cannot be lived out in a hurry. Prayer helps us reduce our speed. I wonder if withdrawing from the crowds to be alone with God was a beautiful necessity for Jesus' life. Here are two lists which describe you more. Restfulness, restlessness, margin, busyness, slowness, hurry, quiet, noise, deep relationships, isolation, time alone, crowds, delight, distraction, enjoyment, envy, clarity, confusion, gratitude, greed, contentment, discontentment, trust, worry, love, anger, angst, joy, melancholy, sadness, peace, anxiety, working from love, working for love, work as contribution, work as accumulation and accomplishment. Which list best describes you, your life, your rhythm? If you resonate more with list B, zero guilt trip, human nature in the digital age have this foreboding alliance against a spirit of rest. We will all struggle in this area in our world. But which list describes you? What if there was a Jesus-centered practice that will help us move from one list to the other? I learned the value of withdrawing to be alone with God when I was in Africa for six months in the year 2000. I lived with 15 people, Malawians, Mozambicans, Germans, uh, Brits, and each day we would be together and we would hear from some of the most amazing men and women of God that I've ever met. Pastors and missionaries from all over Southeastern Africa would come and teach us. I still have my notes from my time in Malawi. One pastor came in and did teaching on spiritual warfare. He told us the story of him going into a village in Africa proclaiming the gospel. And the witch doctor of the village opposed him being there. So he entered the village one morning, and the people gathered on each side. The witch doctor met him, and she said, I don't want this village to have you here. So she cursed a small rodent, and it died in the middle of the road. She said, I will do this to you if you remain. And she stared at the missionary, awaiting his response. And he was transparent. He said, I was terrified. He said, I didn't know what to say. All he did was stare at the eyes of this witch doctor. He said nothing, just stared. And finally, after what seemed like minutes, she turned and ran away. That night, that very missionary led this witch doctor to Jesus. 
She said that when I stared into his eyes, I saw the power of God, and it was more powerful than anything I had ever encountered. This guy, this guy straight up taught us the Bible in Africa. It was powerful, but the most powerful time for me wasn't being taught by amazing teachers and leaders and missionaries. The most powerful times for me was when I was sitting on a rock alone with God, withdrawing into the wilderness. When I was sitting at a table beside candlelight, alone with Jesus. I have journal entries that really relay the same truth that the most powerful time of learning for me came from withdrawing to a lonely place with the divine. For some of you, this may be the one thing that you need to hear from this entire mixtape summer. Withdraw to meet with God alone. And it doesn't need to be on a mountaintop. It could be at your kitchen table. It doesn't need to be on a rock in Africa. It could be at Starbucks. It could be in your backyard, in the shower, in your car. A pastor in the late 1960s said this, with all of the modern advances in technology, it has made the Christian devotional life almost impossible. That was 50 years ago. Back then you had three TV stations. There was no such thing as the internet. Your phone was the twisty dial like variety. Uh, there will always be other things to do, but prayer is always time well spent. And it will be hard at first, and it will be inconvenient, but eventually it will be a habit. It's a lot like exercise. Uh, to say that our nation is caught up in like a fitness craze is an understatement. Physical fitness has become a billion dollar business in the US and continues to grow. At any given time, you might see the latest greatest invention, the thigh master, the abdomizer, the gut be gone, or this new cult that has started up called CrossFit. Uh, most of the fitness products also come with training videos, but wait, there's more. Gut be gone, abs of steel, buns of steel, they now have an electronic belt that you just put around your stomach and you just sit on the couch and eat Cheetos and you're gonna be shredded in no time. The point I'm trying to make is this, that for 99% of the people who buy these fitness tools, they use them for a month or for a short season and then they grow dusty, buried in a closet somewhere. Why? Because to actually get in shape takes discipline. It takes great discipline to exercise regularly, to watch what you eat, to cultivate a consistent and powerful life-giving time of talking with God, or as some people call it, prayer. It takes great discipline. You won't feel like it. Some of us in this room, you've been a Christian a while. We get the Christianity and the church thing, and we truly love Jesus. We go to church. We tithe 10% of our income. Uh, we avoid all of the major sins, and we pray. Maybe not as much as we should, but we do pray. What if there's more? What if 
We've only scratched the surface to the abundant life that Jesus wants to give us. Listen, there is more. Now, I'm not trying to guilt you into praying more, okay? It doesn't work. Spoiler alert, everyone watching this right now, everyone in a church on a Sunday morning doesn't pray as much as they should. But I wonder that if that feeling that we're not as good as we should be, or we don't pray as often as we should, that that feeling inside of us, that every single one of us feels, that it's not an impulse of guilt to make us feel bad, but rather it is a wooing of God. It is a divine whisper saying, tell me what's going on. I want to help. I love you. Nothing's going to change that. Pour your heart out to me. What if there's more? What if there's more than just Sunday morning in a Starbucks in an occasional devotion and sometimes a, a podcast or the occasional worship song that comes on the playlist or the mixtape? What if there's more to Christianity than that? There is more. A school teacher who was bypassed for a promotion went to her administrator and complained. I have 20 years of experience, and you promoted someone who had only been teaching for five years. The administrator retorted, no, you don't have 20 years experience. You have one year of experience 20 times. You're still teaching the same things in the same way that you did your very first year. You haven't grown in your profession. Prodigal Church, Jesus wants you to grow to develop, to become an effective representative of himself. He is who we emulate. And if you have been a Christian for a long time, there are more steps than Sunday morning at church, tithing, reading occasionally, praying occasionally. My encouragement for us this morning and this summer is that we go back to a simpler time. Not back to the time of cassette tapes, though that would be awesome, but back to a simple time of spending time alone with Jesus, that maybe we begin our day every day with that. Nothing special, five minutes, 60 seconds, that our communication with God becomes more and more frequent and that there is this constant communication with Jesus. Now, what does prayer do? Well, I don't know, but it changes me. I believe God answers prayers, and that's, that's, that's a reason that I pray. But prayer changes me, and that is also a reason that I pray. If I throw out a boat hook from inside a small boat, and I catch hold of the shore, and I pull, do I pull the shore to me, or do I pull myself to the shore? Prayer is not pulling God to my will, but aligning my will to his will. May it be so this summer and beyond. Jesus, help us to often withdraw to a lonely, quiet place to be with you. And may you speak to us and teach us in these times, today, this summer, and forevermore, in Jesus' name, amen. 
want to thank you so much for joining us for week one of Summer Mixtape. We can't wait for week two. We hope you have an amazing start of the summer. Grace and peace in Ukraine.